amen and amen. Can we just go ahead right now in the comments, just, just thank Ron and thank Melissa for being so faithful to coming each and every Sunday to bring worship to where we can worship in our homes. So just go ahead, comment right now. Let them know how much you love them. Let them know how much you appreciate them of uh, just their effort and their energy of coming Sunday after Sunday. If you would, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Nehemiah chapter 8. We'll be looking at verse 5 through 10. Thank you, Melissa. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 5 through 10. Also, if you haven't done so already, you can download our app. Uh, Matter of fact, if you're in the uh, Facebook group of Northfield Church, you can find that link. Download that app. Go ahead and have the notes ready for each and every Sunday. If not, then go ahead and turn to Nehemiah 8, 5 through 10. I'm going to start off a little weird because do you really think, here's the question, do you really think that animals are aware of time? I know that sounds like a strange question about joy, but if you think about a mayfly, a mayfly's lifespan is literally 24 hours, 24 hours. You would come into the world in torment and in despair knowing that you would be dead by the end of the day. And the difference between the animal species and the human species is that animals, their main goal is to survive. But as humans, our goal is to thrive. We were designed to be driven. We were designed to thrive. So I want to share with you the first thing is you were not created. You were not created to live a life of suffering. You were not created to be paralyzed by fear. You were not created to drown in despair. And when we allow ourselves, church, to internalize our future, especially in the middle of this crisis and in the middle of suffering, we can shut down. And some of us can just stop trying because despair, suffering, and fear will always take you to the wrong place and it'll keep you from thriving and it'll keep us as a church and as the people of God from moving forward. And no one knows this better than God himself. He knows that we cannot continue to live like we're living in America right now. Totally distant from people. Everything shut down. Why? Because despair is to the soul of what toxic waste is to the body. And overexposure, which some of you already feel the overexposure, overexposure is lethal. And right now we are feeling the effects of the time. We're feeling what we are in. And many of you listening to the sound of my voice, you're losing your day-to-day joy. And where there is no joy, there's always the feeling of despair. And our souls are not designed for despair. It is not where we were uh, uh, intended to live as, as humans. That is why the trials and the circumstances that we're in right now, it's so hard to deal with. What you're dealing with right now is so hard to deal with. And if we're in it too long, you and I are going to find ourselves very, very soul sick. 
And we're living in a time right now that it seems like it is dog-dead determined to steal our joy. Joy right now is rare. I'm telling you, joy right now is rare. But when you have joy, you understand the power that it brings to your life. So last Sunday, we talked about suffering. This Sunday, I want to discuss with you why in the world do I keep losing my joy. Let me pray. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, those listening to the sound of my voice that have lost joy, maybe there's some right now going, you know what, I'm so joyful that I'm popping at the seams. I don't know who's listening right now. I don't know what they're going through. But the question is, is there a constant joy in their life? Or are some days good and some days bad? Or for some, are they finding that there are more bad days than there are good days? I'm talking about, Father, every day we wake up, there is joy down in our spirit. That's what I want to talk about today. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, last week I've often wondered why it is that we seek God for answers when we're going through suffering. But we never go to God and pause with equal sincerity to ask God for guidance when it comes to joy. Because what we find in Scripture is that God designed every one of us to have joy and to enjoy our life and to enjoy our family. Because God originally placed us in that perfect environment where joy was every single day. After all, the Bible says in Genesis 2, 8 through 9 that the Lord God planted a garden in Eden. In the east, that's where he put man that he had formed, the Bible says. The Lord God made all the trees grow out of the ground. These trees were nice and the fruit was good. And what God wants is for you to enjoy life because it restores his original intent for your life and my life. Joy takes you right back to the way that God created you. I don't know if you know this, but Eden actually means pleasure. It means joy. God placed Adam and Eve in the garden of pleasure, in the garden of joy. And last week we learned that it was Adam and Eve's one choice that robbed that joy and robbed that pleasure of life. But think about Eden for a while. An extraordinary place. Incredibly beautiful. Perfect harmony. Full of holiness. Imagine with me, church, a a world with no violence, no sorrow, no fear, no falsehood, and certainly no COVID-19. God never intended for us to live a life that was defined by pain, by sorrow, or by loneliness, or even disappointment. And, And I understand I understand. Paradise is gone. It is long gone. But we still should wake up every day and live a life as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ with a life full of joy. We should be living that way. I can understand Adam and Eve didn't. Matter of fact, there is a book of Adam. And if you ever read the book of Adam, it's one of the most depressing, dark, deranged books you'll ever read. And the reason why is Adam and Eve were not free from their circumstances. They were not free from their circumstances. Let me explain. When they broke 
the relationship with God. When they broke that relationship, he proceeded to tell the woman and he proceeded to tell the man, here is the consequence of the choice that you made. And the consequence of that choice is this, is the curse was to live a life apart from the one who was the source of life, the one that was the source of love, and ultimately the one that was the source of joy. God said to the woman, guess what? You're going to bear children, it's going to be painful, and you're going to go through some suffering. And all the women just commented, amen. To the Adam, he looked at Adam and said, guess what? The ground is now cursed. And you are going to labor for the rest of your life. And all the men out there working and know what that means, you can go ahead and type amen right now. But Adam and Eve, they were bound by their circumstance. They were bound by their environment. And they were locked into that. But the good news for you today and the good news for me today is through Jesus Christ, God reverses that curse. He reverses it. So bottom line, we don't have to be a slave to our surroundings. We don't have to be a slave to our circumstance. And I know right now we are feeling the effects of the curse. I get that. I understand that. But like I shared with you last week, the book of James says, Dear brothers and sisters, whenever trouble comes your way, whenever COVID-19 comes your way, let it be an opportunity for joy. I said last week, what's coming out of you? Bitterness? Blame? Anger? Frustration? Or is it joy? And if I asked every single one of you to comment right now, what brings you joy? I guarantee you none of the comments would be trials, circumstances, and situations. I just love those. I really look forward to those, Pastor. They bring me so much joy. No, I know uh, uh, Harry and Debbie are going to go ride a motorcycle today. That brings you joy. It's not suffering. It's not trials. It's not hardship. Yet the place of suffering, the place of trial, COVID-19, God tells us that's the very place where joy should be experienced. Why? Because the brother of Jesus, James, tells us, he says there is a power in joy. Something happens. When you have the joy of the Lord, joy frees you from your circumstance. Joy literally releases you from the environment, the circumstance, or the trial which you are living in. So bottom line, the Bible says we are no longer dependent on our circumstance. Why? Because if we are truly in Christ and we've made Him the Lord of our life, we rise above the circumstance. So life, life may not bring you joy, but in Christ, you should be bringing joy to life. (laughs) So if your life is not about joy, I guess maybe you need to question whether you're in Christ. I'm just saying, life may not bring you joy, but in Christ, you bring joy to life. And I know what you're thinking. Pastor, there are just some good days and there's some bad days. There are some days I wake up and, and it just tends to lend itself that I'm walking in joy all day long. I, I put on my blue jeans, reached in my pocket and found a hundred dollar bill. That'll bring you some joy. You're skinny and you can actually fit into your skinny jeans right now. That'll bring you some joy. 
You, you go to uh, the work, two hours late, the boss comes into your office and says, you're getting a raise, you're so good. That'll bring you joy. I understand that. And then I understand there's some days, you know what? It don't bring you joy. You wake up, you don't like your boss, you don't like your job, you, you don't half like your life. You, you're, one thing's happening out of another, you're saying, why God, why me? Why does it feel like everything's... Look, I've seen some of your Facebook posts, and I know you're bitter and you're angry. I see y'all bickering back and forth in your comments, Christians arguing with Christians about their viewpoint. I understand there ain't no joy in your life, and you feel like you're walking around like a piece of toilet paper on the bottom of somebody's shoe. I get it. I get it. But God calls those that are truly in Christ to rise above all that. To rise above their circumstance. To rise above their situation. Look, you will never, ever avoid the difficulties of life. But you don't have to be defined by them. Do you get that? You'll never rise above the trials, situations. COVID-19 disappears today. You'll still never rise above the difficulties of life. But you don't have to be defined by that difficulty in life. We are in a fight. And we will be in a fight as we continue on in life. And we can either live above those trials, above those situations, and above those circumstances. Or... You know what? We can be defined by them and lose our joy. And I'm telling you, one of the evidence, one of the fruit that is exhibited that shows that you're living a life that God has designed for you to live is that there is joy coming out of your life regardless of the environment and the circumstance that you're in. The environment and the circumstance does not dictate whether you've got joy today or not. Are you hearing me? Why? It's simple. Because joy is not dependent upon the circumstance. Joy is something inside of every Christian believer that should be coming out. That's why James said it's an opportunity for joy. But here's what I'm finding, church. You look at most Christians and you'll find like they're Adam and Eve. They're bound by their day. Whether it's going good or whether it's going bad. Whether they like something that happened. Or didn't like something that happened. They're locked into their circumstance. And let me just be real with you. There is nothing more compelling. And there's nothing more contagious. Than a person. That their life just oozes out joy. And let me be real. There is nothing more repelling. And there's nothing more infectious than a Christian that does not have joy coming out of their life. It's just downright disappointing if you ask me. But the question is today, if you're one of them, why is it that way? Why can't you maintain your joy? Why are you dependent upon your circumstance or how your husband woke up or how your wife woke up or how they treated you or how they didn't treat you? The answer to that is found not only in the book of James that he proposes that joy brings us power, but we have to dive into the Old Testament in the book of Nehemiah and find out Nehemiah's insight to joy. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Nehemiah 8, 5 through 10. Now I'm not going to read it. I'm going to read one verse out of it, but I'm going to talk to you about it. 
Because in the book, don't, do not miss this, do not turn me off, do not tune me out, because I'm about to step into the prophetic of what's happening today. In the book of Nehemiah, what we see is he stands up and he gives the congregation a mandate to enjoy life. I'm mandating all of you to enjoy life. It's one of the most sacred altar calls and one of the best invitations Nehemiah ever gave in his life. Enjoy life. But then Nehemiah begins to tell them. There is a time where scripture had been lost. It had been lost in their day. Nehemiah's generation, his congregation that he was speaking to, had never seen the Holy Scriptures have never heard the Holy Scriptures. Not a single person had read it. But they found it. They were about to read it to their congregation. But what you've got to understand is Nehemiah's generation, they knew the stories. They knew them real well. As little kids, they had to have the commandments memorized. They had it in their mind. They had it in their heart. The tradition was passed down from generation to generation to generation. Parents passing down that to their children. But there was a huge problem. Here's the problem. They treasured what was given to them by their parents. But watch this. The Israelites had an emptiness and a shallowness to their faith experience. And I'm telling you with 100% accuracy, do not turn me off. Right now, it is describing the church of America and Christians all over this planet today. We know the stories. We know even some of the commandments. I shouldn't murder nobody. We know the commandments. The tradition from your mama and daddy has been passed down and now you think it's a good thing to come to church and raise my kids in church because that's what mama and daddy did to me. But the joy of the Lord, the joy of our salvation and the fruit of joy is dying in the American church today. Why? The shallowness and the emptiness of the faith experience. The Israelites had an emptiness in their lives. They had a shallow relationship with God. And you can tell it because their spiritual malnourishment showed because look at how they responded. They responded, it says when they heard the scriptures explained, number one, they understood God. When they heard the scriptures explained, they finally began to understand who they were as God's children. And then watch this. When they heard the word of God... They understood, number three, how far they had fallen from God's standard. God's intent for their lives. And if you read on, the Bible says, and they wept, and they wept, and they wept. Church, that's revival right there. That is revival right there because they heard the word of God. They understood who God was, who they were, how how far they had fallen from God's standards. And they repented. And I believe this is prophetic. I believe this is prophetic. Why? Because one of the results of the COVID crisis in America 
And one of the results should have been, I don't know if we've reached it, I, I fear that we've missed it. But one of the results of the COVID crisis for Christians is for God to stir your conscience and to realize how far we have fallen as Christians, as the church, from God's standard and God's righteousness. Let me be real with you. I know some of you have already tuned me out right now, but let me be real with you. We have neglected God for too long for the finer things in life. What do you mean, Pastor? We've made money our God. That's why when it comes to tithing offerings, we skip that part. We have a lot of extra coming to our life. We never give Him His tithe. We never give Him His offering. We chose the luxuries of life on the weekend and, and didn't even come into the house of God for months at a time. But don't look now. The root of all evil has been yanked out of us and all the luxuries of life have been yanked away from your life. And why? Because there's a purpose behind it. There's a purpose behind it. And our response today should be the same response as the Israelites. Christians need to see how far we have fallen from God's standards and throw ourselves down and weep and weep and weep until there are no more tears left in our eyes. And after they wept, I love what the leaders did. Because as we go deeper, Nehemiah, Ezra, and the uh, uh, Levites after they had wept, after they had understood it, after they knew who God was and knew who they were, they said, don't weep no more. Why? For this is a sacred day. Why? It was revival. It's a sacred day. And in verse 10, this is what it says. It says, go and celebrate. Go and celebrate some f with some food. If your neighbors don't have food, bring a gift of food. But watch this. He said, this is a sacred day before the Lord. Don't be dejected and sad. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now, don't miss how the leaders came to that conclusion. This was a revival moment. This was a defining moment. Sure, their strength was uh, uh, the joy of the Lord. Sure, your strength is the joy of the Lord. But watch this. The Israelite leaders discovered the principle for finding strength. And here's the principle. You increase in strength when you live in God's Word. You increase in strength when you live in God's Word. Understand, the Israelites, God's people, got away from loving from reading and from obeying the word of God. Why? Because it had been lost. It had been lost. And because they got away from loving, reading, and obeying the word of God, guess what else they lost? They lost the blessings of God. They lost the most important thing of their life, which was joy. Because what you need to understand, in the first seven chapters of Nehemiah, God provided materially. And then in the last chapters of Nehemiah, God began to work on them spiritually. And in this time, God has blessed this nation. We're one of the richest nations. We're one of the richest people. And guess what's happening now? God's working on your spiritual need. He's working on your spiritual need. So let me give you, real quickly, 
three principles to maintain your joy that we can find in the book of Nehemiah. First and foremost, number one, is we must understand the Word of God. We must understand it. God's Word must be understood right here before it can ever enter your heart right here. And when you understand it and it drops down to your heart, it releases life-changing joy that you need. Because what we see in the book of Nehemiah is this. There was not only the public proclamation, the preaching of the word. There was not only public proclamation of the word in the assembly, but there was also personal application in each individual. That right there is revival, my friend. You come to the church, the word is preached in the assembly, and everybody in the church changes that day. That's revival. Number two, we must rejoice in the word of God. Now, this is where everybody checks out. They like to come and understand it, but this is where everybody checks out. Because when the word was read, guess what? The people were deeply convicted. The people were deeply grieved. And I know conviction is not the popular term in churches today. We don't like conviction. But at least you've been taught that conviction brings hope. Condemnation leaves you without hope. We are a church that braces. Let me tell you something right now. If you've been watching a church and listening to a church or in a church where there is no conviction in the church, get out of the church. I'm just telling you right now. Because what we're seeing in the Old Testament, the word was preach. Conviction. There should be conviction in the house every single Sunday. Why? Because the Word of God brings conviction. When you embrace and receive conviction because you understand it properly, then it leads to repentance. I repent of how I've fallen short of God's standards, which leads to my healing, which leads to my forgiveness, which ultimately brings joy. Are you hearing me today? So we have to delight in God's Word, understand it. We have to rejoice in God's Word, embrace conviction. And when we've got those two kicking on all cylinders, guess what? God delights in you. God delights in you when you understand it, embrace conviction. And when He delights in you, He gives you blessings. He gives you joy. The fruit of the Spirit begins to come out of your life. Are you hearing me? So number three we got to obey. This is where some people fall short. Oh, they'll be convicted in a service, but they'll walk out being the same old person they were. They'll brush off the conviction, brush off the little bit of guilt, get back in their car, cuss out their wife the whole way home because we're not being obedient to the Word of God. It's not enough to hear it, James says. James says, if we look in a mirror and do not change the blemish, we're a fool. The Word of God is a mirror that we look into, conviction comes, now we have to obey it. And that's exactly what the people did. In your notes, the Bible says not only did they hear the Word, but they joyfully and they gratefully were obedient to the Word of God. And that's what brings revival. That's what brings joy. That's what brings a supernatural church. Three things. Number one, the whole being has to be touched in a service. The mind, understanding. Number two, the heart, rejoicing. 
And number three, the will obeying. If any preacher can get his church to understand it, to rejoice in it, and walk out and obey it, let me tell you, that's a transformed, supernatural, revival church. I'm telling you right now. And that's what I'm striving with you when you're in this church. Amen? So the secret to joy, the secret to joy is to believe what God says in His Word and act upon it. And I'm telling you, faith that is not based on the Word of God is not faith at all. It's presumption. I'm presuming something is going to happen. I'm hoping something is going to happen. Faith that is not grounded in the infallible Word of God is not faith at all. It's presumption. So if there's joy that is not rooted in faith, it's not joy at all. It's only a good feeling that disappears when something else comes along that robs it. That's why some of you don't have joy from day to day. Because the faith is not rooted in the Word of God. When faith is rooted in the Word of God and joy is rooted in faith, then you've got a perfect combination. But joy that's not rooted in faith It's only a good feeling that disappears real quickly when a trial, circumstance, or situation hits your life. So faith based on the word produces joy. And that joy, I guarantee you, weathers any storm that hits your life. That's why in times of despair, we can run over to Psalms 34 and place our faith in that. Because the Bible says the Lord hears and rescues the righteous when they cry out. He saves the spirits of the crushed. If you feel crushed right now, the Bible says He will save you. Put your faith in that because the Bible says the Lord rescues them all that are righteous. I have my faith in that. That's why I have joy. Or I can jump on over to Psalm 62, 5 through 8 that says, you know what? I'm going to wait calmly on the Lord and my soul rests in Him because my hope is from Him. It tells me to pour out my heart in His presence. If I'm not feeling joy, I run to Him and I cry and I complain. And He fills me with that joy that I need. So what I'm trying to tell you, and I've told some of you that texted me saying, I think I'm losing my faith, or I think I'm depressed. Here's what I wrote to them. You in the Word? And 99.9% of them said, nope. Because here's the formula. The more you get into God's Word, the stronger you will become. The less you get into God's Word, the weaker you will be. Why? Because to possess joy is a sacred act of worship. To possess joy is a sacred act of worship. Why? Because I know you're in the Word. I know you're being obedient to Him. I know you're following the conviction of the Holy Spirit and changing your life. Strength comes from the living God. Strength comes from getting in the Word. And the result of that strength is the joy of the Lord. So even when you shouldn't find joy, Even when life comes at you hard, even when you have pain, and even when you have every good reason right now to throw in the towel, here's one thing I know about you. Deep in the core of your soul, there is a cry for joy, and that joy can only be found in God Almighty and getting into His Word. That's why the Bible says in Hebrews 11.1, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Read that again. Faith 
is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. When you begin to take God's word and you begin to live God's word according to God's word, that's where you sense joy in your spirit regardless of what's going on around your life. But let's read that again. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And here's what I'm finding. Most Christians don't know what faith is. Oh, they've created their own definition of faith. They've heard so many blab it, grab it, name it, claim it, spray it, and I got it. Preachers, that, that, that they think that's what faith is. No, faith is not. Go ahead and type N-O-T, not, right now. Faith is not how much belief I can muster up today. I'm just going to believe it. I'm just going to believe it. I'm just going to believe it. That's not faith at all. Faith is not I'm going to create a future by just believing it to be so. I'm just going to believe that that Cadillac's going to be out there. And when I wake up, it's going to be out. Nope, that's not faith at all. Faith is not speaking something over and over and over and over until it comes into existence. Why? Because if we take this definition, faith is about substance. Faith is about substance. It's about knowing what has not happened will certainly happen, not because I'm going to make it happen by saying it over and over or believing enough about it or just saying it enough that it'll happen. No, faith is based on what God has told me in His Word, what He's promised that'll happen. My faith has substance because it's grounded in Scripture. So faith is conviction about a thing that is unseen and the joy I have is about the confidence of it happening. So faith grounds me in the certainty of God's truth, and then joy pulls me into the mystery of God's future. Don't miss that. That's what faith is. It grounds me in the substance of God's truth. And though I don't see it yet, I know He's promised it, so joy pulls me into the mystery of God's future, no matter what's going on in my life and in that circumstance. So as Melissa comes, one of the advantages of Scripture is that it's a history book. And I love history books. We can look in the Bible and we can see what God has done. I can see what He's done over and over and over again. It gives me substance. It gives me a foundation for my present and it gives me a foundation for my future. But let me warn you, a history book can be a disadvantage to you as well. We already know the ending. We already know that God wins and everybody that is on his side wins as well. And I understand that's good news. But it can be misleading. Because see, sometimes, since we understand God wins and we win, since we understand story after story after story, there was a guaranteed victory. We begin to expect our journey and our life to be victorious, one after the other. And we can't stand things like this. We can't stand trials and situations and circumstances. 
We don't like the roller coaster of life with its nauseating ups and its nauseating downs. We want the victory. So you would do well to remember today that in every event, in every war of the Bible, every war that was counted as a victory, there was a lot of wars and a lot of victory. But you got to understand, every winning side had many soldiers that died in the battle. After all, the nation of Israel is a story of conquest, a story of victory, a story of freedom. Most of the stories in the Bible are victory, freedom, conquest. But what you don't realize is that each individual had a substory of conflict, of pain, and of suffering. So I close with this. Church, the Christian journey is not the escape route from suffering. Really, the Christian journey is the recognition that my future moments, my victorious Christian life, is based on and connected to the choices that I make. And I'm going to be real with you. What we choose in this moment, what we choose in this what we choose to post on Facebook, what we choose to think and how we choose to treat our leaders, or how we choose to argue and fuss and fight with other Christians that might have a different viewpoint than you. What we choose in this moment is a direct reflection of either our deep relationship with God or it only exposes the emptiness and the shallowness of your faith experience. I love you, but let's be better at being Christians. Let's be joyful. Let's show grace. Let's not judge. Your leaders right now have some major decisions to make in the future. We could be opening up on May 10th. We could make the decision to not. I don't know your viewpoint. All I know is don't judge. Show grace. Show love. Have joy. Don't be defined by your circumstance, situation, or trial. Look to Jesus because in in Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2. It says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. It wasn't the cross that brought him joy. It wasn't the nails in his hand and his feet and the slit in his side where water came out. That wasn't joyous to him. It was the joy set before him. The joy that he knew that was coming. The joy that he could see through the suffering of you and of me giving our life to Christ to join him one day in eternity in paradise, in heaven in the new Eden that he created for all of us Jesus just like us was not locked into his environment or locked into his circumstance Jesus embraced the suffering Jesus embraced the cross How? Through the strength that the joy brought him. We're going to come out of this 
We're going to be back to normal. America's going to be okay. God's on our side. Let that joy pull you into the new future. Because the Christian journey is not fail safe. It's not a magical bubble. It's not a risk-free life. But when you live in the strength of God's joy, by understanding the word, rejoicing in the word, and obeying the word, His Holy Spirit always takes you beyond your circumstance and beyond your situation. Like I said last week, suffering is a part of our environment. Even when COVID-19 is done, suffering will remain a part of our environment. And God will always use whatever suffering comes to shape our character. So it's becoming more and more obvious to me that God's teaching environment is life. And we're living life right now. Listen to me. Suffering is not punishment from God. God just takes it, uses it as part of the process to shape you and to shape me. So I'm going to embrace this time. I'm going to embrace it as part of my life. But I'll tell you one thing. It's not a part of my existence. It's not a part of my existence. I can exist without suffering. I I love to exist without suffering. My wife will tell you, I don't like to suffer. But I can't really live without facing it. I'm going to have to face it. I'm going to have to face it head on. But while I'm in it, however it comes, I'm going to let it change me. I'm going to let it shape me. I'm going to allow it to teach me. And I'm certainly going to allow it to motivate me. Not only to be a better pastor for you, but to dig deeper to where I can teach you to be a better Christian in this thing called Christianity. Joy can only be found in suffering. When, like Christ, we can look past the cross and see the joy of who we're becoming. Who are you becoming in this? Has anything changed? It's a hard question to ask today. If something is changing and something is transforming in you, then I guarantee you the strength of God comes in the form of joy. And the strength of that joy gives us the courage to face whatever cross that we may bear. Some of you listening to the sound of my voice right now, you've never given your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, but you want to today. If that's you, would you just type right now, I give my life to Jesus. For those of you listening to the sound of my voice, maybe your joy has been a roller coaster ride. Get into the Word. Feel the conviction and obey. And the joy of the Lord will be your strength. I don't know where you are right now. I don't don't get to see you. I don't get to personally look in your face and see the countenance of your spirit and and the heaviness of your heart. But I believe even though I don't get to see you, God is still directing me of what to tell you. And I know there's somebody right now that is struggling maintaining their joy. If this word was for you, would you just type right now, this was for me, Pastor. I needed this today. Thank you for being truthful. Or you could be 
unjoyous and say, I didn't like it, didn't like none of it, I really hated it. (laughs) However you want to type, it's fine with me. But I want to pray for you. Father, in Jesus' mighty name, we thank you that the day is getting closer that we'll get to meet again. But in the meantime, anybody that has lost their joy, I bet you they've lost their love for the Word, their reading of the Word, and getting into your presence in prayer. May they return to the simplistic things. You've yanked a lot out, so they ain't got much to do. And certainly there ain't any good things on social media anymore. So Father God, let them get into the one good thing, which is the Word of God. Let them draw their strength from that. Let them draw their strength from your presence. And Father God, as we sing this song, you did think I was worth saving. And I want to tell everyone I know how, Father God, by exhibiting the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the goodness, the self-control. I want to tell everybody I know by the fruit that comes out of my life. Maybe I want to tell everybody I know by sharing this after I get done. Maybe I want to tell everybody I know by giving to the church after this just to show that my faith is still in the church of America. Maybe I want to tell everybody I know by typing something positive today about Jesus instead about I've been challenged to show you 452 pictures of my sock drawer. Maybe that's what we need to do. Maybe we need to shift it. And begin to flood social media with the things of God instead of the things of this world. Let this song sink in. Let the words sink in. I'll be right back to pray with you.